Welcome to CRE Success, the podcast, where we help people working in commercial real estate achieve their professional goals. Check us out online at cresuccess.co forward slash podcast. And now here's your host, Darren Krakowiak. Hello, this is episode nine, and I'm here to present content especially for people who work in commercial real estate. When I started this project, I did promise to deliver 10 episodes, and given this is episode nine, you may be wondering what is happening after our next episode. Well, stand by, because I have some important news to share about that at the end of today's show. Before we do that, I must introduce today's guest. It's Michael Bull. Michael is someone who I've been following for many years. He's the host of America's Commercial Real Estate Show, which is the longest running radio show of its kind, which is also available all around the world as a podcast. He's been running his own very successful brokerage firm for the past 22 years. Plus, he also has his own suite of educational products that help people in commercial real estate be more successful. I realize that he's technically not in Asia Pacific, but I also know that you're really going to benefit from Michael's insights and you're going to love hearing his story. So I thought I would make an exception and use the broader APEC definition of geography, which includes the United States within Asia Pacific and invite him to be part of the show. Michael Bull is standing by and my interview with him starts in 30 seconds. If you're interested in the flexible workplace boom that's happening right now across Australia, Australia, Hub Australia is one of the best operators with seven beautiful sites in four capital cities. They offer premium workspaces with desks, offices and suites and partner with landlords and corporate customers to provide and produce high quality workspaces, making sure their members love coming to work. If you have a client or partner looking for their next workspace or business opportunity, contact hello at hubaustralia.com or visit hubaustralia.com. And now it's time for the interview on CRE Success, the podcast. Michael, welcome to CRE Success, the podcast. Thank you. Michael, the first thing we do is we ask our guests to step into the virtual elevator so they can give us their, if you like, elevator pitch. So, Michael, who are you? Okay. Well, great. Well, uh, first, I guess, Bull Realty. I'm a commercial broker and I've been in business uh, for 35 years. And uh, that's what I've done all my life. And I own a company called Bull Realty uh, that's headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a licensed broker in nine southeast states around the U.S. And we have a company that sells office buildings, shopping centers, you know, hotels, uh, all sorts of things around the U.S. And then I have a show that I started uh, 10 years ago called America's Commercial Real Estate Show. And uh, it's the biggest show in the States uh, about commercial real estate. And then two years ago, I started a company, commercialagentsuccess.com, that uh, supplies video training for commercial agents around the world. And it's 21 one-hour videos of incredible agent training. Uh, it's all in the cloud thing. So that's kind of the three things I do. You're a busy guy. <laughs> Try to stay busy. So how did you get started in commercial real estate? What got you into the industry and why did you land there? I started, I was uh, going to school at night. A, fr- a friend told me about, I needed a job during the day and a friend told me about a job that said, the hardest thing you have to do is take out the trash once a day. I'm like, okay, I like that. And it was leasing apartments for an apartment rental company. And uh, I got there and they taught me how to do that and taught me how to do everything on management. And then a company hired me to run their management company, 20 years old. And I did that, got my license and I tripled the size of that company while I was in school. And then uh, at 22, I became a commission only salesperson. Um, my first sale uh, was when I was 19. I sold a 20 unit apartment building. And so that's kind of how I got started in the 
uh, in the commercial real estate business, was managing it, uh, operating it, renovating it, uh, and then became a, a broker at a very young age. What's your favorite thing about working in commercial real estate? You know, I think it's the people and, you know, the ability to add value to people and to the companies and, you know, to help people and companies make money and, and to help them save money and to just really seriously add value, you know, to, to these companies. And you also have kind of a variety of people and properties and uh, you're out and about, you know, I remember part-time uh, when I was really young, I, I bartended and I was at this bartending bar for four hours in this one little area. And I thought, oh man, this is awful. You know, you know what we do. It's fun. We're out with different properties and people are always learning and always growing. And it, it's fun to really do a great job for people, you know, and, and have them really appreciate you. So you're a 30 plus year veteran of the industry. You've been through several economic cycles. You've seen the impact of things like technological change and obviously run your own successful real estate practice, uh, as you mentioned, since 1998. And I say all that not to pump up your tires, but just to demonstrate that you have a, a broad perspective. So I'd like to ask you what's changed and what stayed the same during your working life? Well, I guess what's changed has really been the technology, you know, the technology we use to market properties, to research properties, you know, our operations, our communications. I can tell you back in the day being at a closing and, and you needed something and uh, the closing stopped. I mean, you know, I was doing this before fax machines were out. So, you know, over the years, the, the changing technology, and I've always been into the technology and I've and always tried to stay really at, at the latest uh, with the latest technology. So that's been real fun to see see um, happen. I think what stayed the same is the skills, you know, the, the sales skills, the negotiation skills. It's still a people business, a relationship business. It's still a reputation business, you know, and, and people say, you know, Michael, you know, what book should I read if I'm a commercial agent? And I'd say, well, sales books. And they say, oh, so maybe like the latest one that, that's selling right now. No, <laughs> you can get the best sales books of all time that have to do with any type of sales and they're fantastic. Can you name a couple of the books that you would recommend to somebody if they wanted to up their skills in sales? You know, I think some of the big uh, Zig Ziglar's and, you know, the Stephen Covey's, you know, I think if you just look at the top selling sales books of all time. You know, that's the ones I would read and I would read them over and over again. You know, I see some people get into commercial, uh, becoming a commercial agent and they start reading about investing in real estate and all of that. And that's not the biggest skill that you need to learn. You know, we're salespeople, you know, we're negotiators. And so we need to learn how to run a business, uh, build it, make it efficient. And we learn, need to learn how to sell and negotiate. Right. So that's negotiation and sales skills, which um, ultimately are people skills as well. Yeah, they sure are. And and then you think of time management, you know, I'd, I'd throw that in there as well. As you know, it's, you know, it's all about how effective we can be in a small amount of time. So let's talk about leadership. You lead a team of about 35 brokers, I believe, plus additional staff who are across nine states, I believe. Given your experience, what do you think is one or more attributes that makes a great leader? You know, I think just the the sincere desire to help people and to add value to the people around you. I've often thought about that. And, and, and I, what I tell some of my brokers is uh, this, this saying, and I think I came up with this. I don't think I dreamed this or read this and then thought I came up with it. I think it's mine, but it's this. The more you add value to the people's lives around you, the more it adds value to your life. If you think about that. 
If you add value to the people around you, then it's going to add value to your life. It's going to enrich you. It's going to build your relationships, your network, your reputation. You know, you help people like making money that you, I mean, it just, it goes around, comes around. So on the flip side, what's the most challenging part of running a a national team? Well, I think it's just really to, as as the company grows, I mean, we have, we have about 50 people, you know, and as the company has continued to grow, it's really just trying to keep the, the culture, uh, the high quality, you know, the messaging. You know, I started the company for two reasons. And one was to, that we'd be known, if you used our company name, we'd be known for integrity and we'd be known for the best disposition marketing in the country. And I think those two things would really help drive us to be successful and kind of help us make decisions every day, right? If you use integrity in your business and then you try to be the best that you can be that does what you do and add the integrity, then you'll do the right thing. So, you know, I think having a bunch of brokers and staff, um, you know, I have, I'm really into training myself and, and, and training my, my folks, my brokers who run the plays that take in the training I give them, they do extremely well. I mean, they're just really great brokers and do really, really well. Then I'll see some guys that, you know, you think about commercial brokers where we're confident as a general rule, right? And we're social and uh, we think we know everything and we don't, we don't accept training well enough. And I think that's one of the challenges that brokers have is we, we think we know everything. And I've always known that I know nothing. You know, I know, I know I need to learn and grow all the time and, and get better. And I think that's one of the great things about this business. There's no end to how skilled you can be and, and there's no limit to your income. So the most challenging thing is, is realize helping guys realize and, and ladies realize that, you know, don't stop training, you know, just keep trying to get better all the time. Can you explain to us why you decided to become an industry resource for your peers. Yes. So the show, the radio show started off as an idea to be basically a marketing venue for my company at Bull Realty. At the time, we were more local um, and we started on one radio station in Atlanta and it quickly grew. I mean, it grew to 60 radio stations around the country and then it became one of the, the, the top show around the country. So it started off as you know, just a really a marketing piece for, for my firm and then it just grew into something, you know, a lot larger. You know, I've always bought all the training for commercial agents that I could ever find from anyone. <laughs> and because I just realized the value to myself and to my guys of having that training and constantly repeating it. And, and just so the best practices become innate to you. And I saw there was a big hole in the training. I mean, there, you know, there's not good training for negotiating and, and building your practice and overcoming objections and, and, and helping help sellers understand the value of proper pricing. And, you know, and I kept searching for these kinds of training. And when I did find it, which is so disappointing that I had to start creating it and I kept creating it, creating it, improving it, improving it. And then finally I said, well, one day when I get old, I'll produce this and, and let people around the world uh, benefit from it. And then I realized I was getting old and I better go ahead and do it. <laughs> so that's what happened. And now it's, you know, it's online and people license them. And uh, the most experienced brokers at the biggest companies, they almost don't want to see it. And then somehow they'll see it because they went in with the next gen or the younger guys and they're just rant and rave over it. It's uh it's pretty high quality and, and, and there wasn't anything out there. So that's why I did it. I had to for myself and then started sharing it. 
Oh, well done. So back to the podcast or the radio show. Did it start as a radio show or did it start as a podcast? Sure. Yeah. Well, it started as a radio show, and and we but we recorded it and we cr- put it out as a podcast even uh, ten years ago, and then it grew to sixty radio stations, and I still uh, put it out as a podcast. So. On some of the podcast systems, you can actually hear my first show I did 10 years ago. Let's touch on the coronavirus. Um, I'd love to hear your opinion on how you think the current crisis compares to other economic slowdowns that you've experienced and what you think the biggest impacts are or will be for, for our industry. One of the things that could happen is this could be a shorter uh, turnaround than we saw back in 08, 09, because we have you know stronger banks, we have lower interest rates, uh, I think there's more dry powder out there, and I think we have lower uh, loan-to-value ratios on the properties, and with the low rates, I think... You know, there's a lot of people that, that like to follow the cycles to buy and sell. And I think, you know, there, there'll be some opportunities, especially in hotels uh, and in retail. But uh, I think some of the other sectors, there won't be, you know, that a real dip in values that some investors like to try to find. So I'm, so I'm hopeful that the recovery is shorter than, than, than the last one. And, you know, and I think people and companies are going to become more budget uh, conscious, you know, so I think companies are going to, uh, moving forward will be a lot more concerned about the bottom line. And we talk about real estate, you know, they're going to really look at their occupancy costs really closely. And I think, you know, they might in some cases not cram into the cities in the, in the central business district and they may go to the suburban offices to both reduce costs, potentially get and get closer to, to some of their employees and, uh, and get larger space. So there's less square footage per person has kind of been what's been going on around the country. And I think we'll see that now where people say, look, let's go back to, uh, let's not go to 100 square feet per person. Let's go to three or 400. I think it'll change some of the attitudes and, and things of companies. Uh, and I'm hopeful that it's just going to be shorter because of the liquidity and, and the interest rates and things this time around. So what would you advise people to focus on right now when you're in the middle of a crisis and it seems like like there's no ended side or no light at the end of the tunnel. What should people focus on right now to ensure they're, I guess, prepared for when the crisis does inevitably end? I think just be as active as possible. I can tell you, I went through a terrible recession. Uh, my first one, you know, I've been doing this for 35 years and I was just rocking along as a young agent doing really well. Um, the the world kind of just stopped and, and I focused on mainly apartments and all of a sudden they were all foreclosed and it was like a light switch. They changed the um, the tax angles on them and all of a sudden the values all plummeted, all my deals cratered. And I really went into depression. I would, for me, I would call it depression for two solid weeks. It was like, oh no, what's going on? My life's over. But then I snapped out of it. And what I did was I got extremely busy and I got became extremely efficient and I concentrated on my business, my practice, my prospecting, my skills. I became a much better broker. I would have never, I would have still been the piece of crap agent just going through the motions if that had never happened to me. So I think, you know, when this happens, it's the time that we, we should really step up and that we have to, right? A lot of us just don't have a choice. You know, we go from working maybe four quality hours a day to 14 and we go to just working in the business every day to also working 
on the business and figuring out what are our best practices. And, uh, and, and like my training sales, we were talking about before, the training sales that I do at commercialagentsuccess.com have really expanded. I mean, there's a lot of people realizing, hey, this is time to train and get better. And I think that's one of the things that can happen for commercial real estate people that are in any type of sales or, or vendor kind of relationship is this that this can make us a lot better at what we do. And, and, and I think that's what can come out of this. And it's what it did for me in the past. And my business has always grown in downturns. Uh, every time they've happened, while I may have had a pause during it, my business really had the biggest catapults, the biggest jumps in, in revenues um, that continued on during after recessions or during the middle of recession. When people are looking harder at who to use, you know, I've always done better. So when the market's really hot and it doesn't really matter who they use to sell something, it kind of seems to be harder to win market share. So I think it's a time people need to realize this is a time you can really build your business, get really busy, get really active and, and, and run your place. Let's talk about the topic of success. It seems like you have some specific strategies that you would employ to uh, you know, do deliberately and consistently to ensure you give yourself the best opportunity to succeed in your profession. What are some of those strategies that you have to make sure that you're in the best position to succeed? Well, you know, thinking about it as a, a commercial real estate agent, I think it's it's training constantly and not thinking that we know everything, not thinking that we can't get better. Um, and the other one is consistent prospecting that's done the right way. Um, I remember having an agent that had a team and she came in, it was uh, wanting to work at my shop and she was really proud of the prospect and she'd done for like four hours before she came to see me. And I felt sorry for her because really what she did hurt her reputation and her firms and, and she just wasn't doing it right. You know, and, and, uh, and I felt sorry for her, but you know, it's, it's, so I think just consistent prospecting and then consistent training are the two big things I would say to, to help, um, agents and people who do what we do and be more successful. So if people aren't in a position where they can ask someone or they don't have someone looking over their shoulder to give them that feedback that they're not doing it right, what are some of the signals that they can they can see to understand that, hey, maybe this is not what I'm supposed to be doing? Yeah. So I think, you know, as a trained salesperson, we're really always looking at the audience, if you will, or the person that we're talking to and we're and we're looking for feedback and, and you get the feedback and, and you, you really know, uh, you can tell if you're talking to someone and they lose interest. Uh, you can tell by their their body movements and their eyes and their 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 posture. And then when you don't win something, what I always like to do if I'm in a, a bake off or beauty contest, whatever you call it, where brokers are competing, is you know if I can, I go back. If I lost it, and I ask, uh, say, hey, what could I have done better? Um, and you know, I think there's you don't want to look at it as a win or a loss. I think you want to look at it as a win or a learn. And so if you're constantly trying to get better, and then one of the tricks I've always done, if you call it a trick, is when things don't go well, I always blame it on myself. I don't blame it on the market. I don't blame it on the client. Because, you know, one of the worst things I think that happens in our business is when we know a client should do something and we can't get them to do it. And, you know, and, and I think I look inside, I go, all right, that's my problem. I didn't ask the right questions. I didn't pre-manage it properly. I don't know enough about what's going on. I, I haven't developed my sales skills enough. You know, I, I, and if you blame yourself, then you'll always just get better at things. I think another way of saying blame yourself is take responsibility. 
Absolutely. And, and you know, because you know, you've heard it and people go, oh, it, you know, that was, it was a terrible client or a terrible market or, you know, it's a terrible property. No, every property is sellable. It's really, a, there's a bad person selling it. When you ask someone, how's the market? It depends who you ask. If someone's doing well, it's great. If they're not doing so well, they might be blaming the market for their lack of success. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you an answer to that, that, that I have a lot of uh, answers to the things that clients ask in my training that are gold. And one of the questions is that, and you know, I hear a lot of agents will sometimes say, oh, you know, the market's pretty good. There's a lot of buyers in the market, blah, blah, blah. Well, this is what you really should say. Um, like I told you, I sell office buildings in Atlanta. I lead a team, not Atlanta, in the U.S. We sell large office buildings. So when somebody says, well, how's the market? You know, I can say, you know, well, there's been 182 sales of office buildings in the U.S., over 50,000 square feet. In the Class A properties, the average cap rate was 5.8%, and the average cap rate for B&C pride was 7.2%. Uh, okay. And then you look at me and go, oh, okay, I got my guy. It's an objective statement. It shows that you know the market. Right. Instead of just saying, oh, it's a good time to sell. (laughs) It's like, what? Uh, That way, and you can learn whatever sector and space and area and geographic area. If you study that and track all the sales and then you just update it quarterly, then you can come up with statements like that that just give people's attention at hello. Instant credibility builders. Very good. Um, So, Let's say little Johnny comes into your office and he's one year into his commercial real estate broking life and he says, Michael, what's the one thing that I should do to succeed? What do you tell little Johnny? If I had to pick one thing, I would say it's consistent prospecting, you know, because you always want to have some people don't prospect. They say they don't have time and, uh, you know, and so they're not improving their lot in life, right? So have you ever had to get a price on doing some work around your, your property, your home, and the contractor gives you a high price, and then you ask him, hey, this seems a little high, and the contractor looks at you and you say, yeah, well, I have a lot of business right now, so yes, it is high. If you want me, that's what I charge. We think about that as a broker. If you've got enough opportunities because you're properly prospecting all the time, you're going to be able to work with more motivated clients. People will price their expectations are more proper, fees more proper, the agreements you work through more proper because you have more opportunities, right? So I think having a, a daily prospecting goal and a daily prospecting minimum that you do every day. And one of the things I've found about that is have the minimum that's low enough that you can get to it every day, no matter what. Uh, one day I had a really good day. I sold five apartment complexes in, in one day. And this was before I owned my company. I was an agent and I had three assistants that were for me. And I went to those closings. I went to closing. I was around all day. And I came back in the office about 530. And I went to my desk and I, and I picked up the phone and started to make some calls. And the uh, couple of the girls, they were assistants. They came to my front uh, uh, office and said, what are you doing? Uh, what do you mean what I'm doing? I work here. I'm making my dials. And, and they said, we just thought that since you had a good day, they figured out what I'd made that day. And I said, no, look, I don't know that every deal I have under contract that, that half or, or probably could cancel and the other half get delayed. I know I have to make my daily calls. Get out of here. Leave me alone. <laughs> and if, <laughs> so I think when you get to that point in your career where you've hit these minimums, no matter what, it's, it's almost hard not to be successful. That's the number one thing I would say. Love that. Awesome. Awesome advice. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Now, people might be curious to have a look at your LinkedIn profile. And I saw something on your profile I've never seen on any other profile on LinkedIn, let alone on the profile of a, of a commercial real estate professional. And that is a stand-up comedy routine. Was that a one-off or do you regularly moonlight in comedy clubs around the US? <laughs> no, my, my company would not let me do it regularly because I'd say something and get, <laughs> they'd get me fired even though I'm the CEO. So what happened was, as I've mentioned, I've continually trained uh, all my career. And I just think it's a big part of success. You know, when you can train and have coaching and just continue to improve yourself in a business like, like ours, that has no limit on your income. Why wouldn't you? Right. So I like stand up comedy and I was, I, I got to a, a club a little early and I was sitting at the bar waiting for the show to start. And, it, and I saw this little pamphlet on going to a class to learn how to do stand up comedy. And part of it in there said, look, even if you never planned to be a stand-up comedian, it'll really, really teach you how to, to sell and to do presentations. And I thought, you know what? That's great. So I took the class and they teach you how to write comedy. They teach you how to present the comedy and, and how to be on stage. And you can't write, you can't do jokey jokes. Um, yeah. You can't cuss. And you can't touch yourself. <laughs> and my wife said I couldn't do wife jokes. So that's, well, what's left? But anyway, <laughs> you have to write your own things. So um, you really learn a lot about uh, economy of words, about delivery. So I found it to be really good sales training. And I speak in front of large groups. And I tell you, it was a lot more scary being in a comedy club where the mission was to make people laugh than it's been for me to be in front of hundreds and hundreds of people talking about commercial real estate training and commercial real estate in general. Uh, so it is a little bit scary, uh, but it's a great experience and I recommend it. Michael, you've given us so much value during this interview. So I'd like to get one more piece of value from you, which is just to talk about life, work-life balance and you know what strategies you have in place to make sure that you can uh, have the time for your numerous responsibilities at work, but also uh, your, your various personal interests and, and family. My challenge, Dan, when I was young as an agent was my challenge was actually stopping. I mean, I... I found it so fun to, to, to sell investment properties that I never wanted to stop because, you know, I'm on the East Coast here of the U.S. while my, my client's on the West Coast. So I can really start working at, at 8 a.m. And, and not finish until 9 or 10 p.m. And not to mention all the other research and, and marketing, and underwriting and all the things you could do off hours. So um, my, my challenge was really just stopping and, and, and learning to stop. And one day I was working and I thought, look, I'm doing pretty well, but I'm not doing as well as some of the agents I read about around the country. And I, and I studied them more and more. And one thing I found is to your work-life balance question was there a lot of these people that made the ultra high income did have times that they took off and did things. And I read about this one lady that works three weeks of the month, 12, 14 hours a day for three weeks through the weekend and everything. And then she she took off one week and the two weekends a month and traveled the world. So this lady was traveling the world every month. And then she was coming back and doing her real estate business and working it every day she was here. She was doing it. And I thought, wow, that is so awesome. So what I started doing was taking off every Friday at 5 p.m. and then not working until Monday at 9 a.m. And for me, that was hard. And for me, that was a vacation. And I got a second home at, at a nearby lake and toys and boats and stuff and started to say, oh, I'm going to be a weekend fun guy. And, and when clients want me to do something, I'm going to 
say, you know, I already have a commitment. You know, my schedule's tied up. I don't tell them I'm on a boat drinking a beer. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like there's two positions, on and off, and you've just got to know when that switch is, should be off. During the week, it's just being on all week, um, you know, from from exercise to, to, to business, you know, I'm okay with that all week. And then, because I know on the weekends, you know, I'm going to relax and have a good time. And, and when I have a good time, I like to have a good time. You know, uh, I like to play hard and, and make sure I'm having fun. I'm, I'm not, I'm not sitting on the beach with my toes in the sand. I'm riding, I'm driving a performance boat or a performance bike or off-road vehicles. I mean, I'm, cause my, our business is so fun. If I'm not having fun when I'm off, I'm going to go back to work. <laughs> Michael, you've really delivered so much value for the listeners on this podcast. I'd like to say thank you for being with us here on CRA Success, the podcast. I'm glad to do it, Darren. Thanks for having me. For more information about our guest, visit CREsuccess.co forward slash podcast. And now a final thought from Darren Krakowiak. If you'd like to learn more about Michael and how he helps people in commercial real estate, make sure you visit his website, commercialagentsuccess.com. All right, at the top of the show, I tease that I have an announcement to make about our podcast, so here it is. We are extending season one for another 10 episodes, which will take us through towards the end of 2020. This is possible thanks to a sponsor having committed to back the show, and it's also thanks to your feedback and the fact that you have listened. I am convinced that I'm not just talking to myself and that we are adding value to the industry. So another 10 episodes means that we need more guests. If you have any ideas on people you'd like to hear on the show, drop me a line via LinkedIn, Instagram, or send an email, darren at cresuccess.co. That's the show for this week. Thanks for listening, and I will speak to you soon. Thanks for listening to CRE Success, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, and be sure to leave us a five-star review. For more information about the show, just check the show notes on your podcast app or visit us online at cresuccess.co. Your workplace is a place for collaboration, for communication and inspiration. As experts in workplace, Unispace knows that no two businesses are the same and the journey to creating your best and most productive space starts with you. Unispace's in-house strategy team provides workplace assessments. They use data to ensure your space is designed to enable maximum productivity and is a place your staff want to be, not just have to be. Visit unispace.com to reinvigorate your workplace.